Hey everybody, this is Brian Brodeur, and Alex Aldea is again sitting in as guest host for me here on the East Main Podcast. Here's part two of his conversation. Take it away, Alex. Let's talk about the podcast real fast from more of a logistical thing. So okay. you've had some amazing luck, just happenstance and some sure, amazing- right place, right you time. Know, right place, right time, but- how do you make podcasts work? So maybe for younger people that are looking to get started with their own podcast, obviously I'm new to the podcast world. This podcast has been around, but how do you get advertisers? How do you make it viable? Well, there's a lot of metrics now. Mm -hmm. It's one thing that I think is better than diaries. If you remember radio back in, you know, I think of the Queen song, Radio Gaga. Like sure, back love in, that song. You had your time. You had you had the power. Back when radio was a was a thing, it was all about name recognition. Mm-hmm. So if you wrote in your diary that you listened to Imus in the morning, then that would be their ratings points. Well, now it's everything's to the minute, and so there are metrics to gauge podcast. Mm-hmm. The platform that hosts mine, like they have the account, they send me the numbers. And I see how many people are listening to which episode, and I I can tell which episodes are generating more interest or not. Sure. As far as advice to anybody, I would say to anybody, try it. And pick something that you're passionate about. One thing I've found is whenever you're trying to do work of some kind, even if it's a hobby project, make it about something you're passionate about. There was recently a CBS Sunday morning feature about podcasting, Mm -hmm. and the anchor of of the package he asked a couple of these experts, is there a podcast about knitting? Like, just to see how random that was. And if you search the podcast I'll app, bet there, is. there are two. Wow. And, uh, yeah, there's two podcasts about knitting. There's a podcast about everything. So what I would say to anybody who wants to get in front of a microphone and wants to just see what they sound like, and it, it can be literally about anything. I know people who host sex podcasts. Mm-hmm. I know who, people who host sports podcasts comedy podcast, news podcast, there's everything. Mm -hmm. The thing I would say about sports podcasts is the competition is so great because you're competing with existing sports radio. You know, for example, so I do another podcast called Sports with Friends, Mm -hmm. and that show gets actually more downloads than the Hall of Justice does, but it's not ranked as high on iTunes Mm -hmm. because there are just so many of them. Sure. You're competing with Fox Sports and the ESPN Radio and all, all these things. And I'm just doing a podcast where I talk to my friends. You know, you have these major companies producing these things. So what I would say is if you're a sports nut, like don't do a sports podcast. Do a Yankees podcast or do a Devils podcast. Just don't make it so broad because you'll just get buried. There's just so much content out there. But if you have a niche, if you have something you're into, mm-hmm. bicycles, whatever whatever it is. Self-help, whatever it, it could be. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah try so. it. And there's ways to get them started. I know SoundCloud has a deal with iTunes. That's free. Mm-hmm. Um, Spreaker is a great app that starts. There's another one that somebody just showed me that I forget the name. So I apologize, but if you ask me on Twitter, <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So this begs the question. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Do you want to plug uh, some, some of yeah, your yeah. various I mean, social media? Yeah. I mean, I'm most active on Twitter, at mm-hmm. Seth underscore Everett. Some joker took at Seth Everett. And then, um, you know, the big thing with Twitter was verified. How do you get that? I've always been curious. I don't have mine, and I'd be very curious how you get that little How do you get verified? Mark. Yeah. Or on Instagram or on Facebook. Like, they all have this thing. I got verified when I was with the Mets. Ah. And I think they had something to do with it. I'm I'm sure they did. Um, (laughs) 
The one advice that I took to heart right away about Twitter was if you change your handle, mm -hmm. you lose the verified. You have to get uh, it back. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like it when people have to make their handles based on where they work because you might not work there forever. Of course. Like, I would never be Seth Everett SNY mm -hmm. or Seth Everett MLB. Like, I just want to be me, you know, no matter what. That could no end the next what. week. You never right. know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a guy who has millions of followers, a guy by the name of Darren Ravel. Okay. He's a business reporter, and we work together at ESPN and at NBC a little bit. And um, he's a good friend of mine, and our wives are friends. They went to college together or whatever. Oh, very and cool. I remember we had a play date when the kids were real little. Right. And Whitney Houston died. And he gave me advice this day. He said, Twitter should be 60% personality and 40% promotional. Mm. So people will follow you for your personality and they will then check out what you're promoting. If all you do on Twitter is promote crap that you're doing, yeah, you're not bad. interesting. So I had that mentality going in. And I live right near Newark and the funeral for Whitney Houston was in Newark. And... Bobby Brown walked out of Whitney Houston's funeral because he didn't like where he was sitting. Awesome. And so, On just so many levels. So wow. I just was, we were like, what a jerk. Like, how yeah. do you do that? Incredible. And at the time, the daughter is still alive, and that daughter just lost his, her mom. And like, how do you not be there for your kid? Like, what what's the matter with you? So I wrote two does tweets. It make, does it make me a bad person if I say it's his prerogative? Hold on, hold on, hold that thought. So I'm thinking to myself, like, I got to do something on Twitter. Right. So I wrote, as a dad, that offends me, blah, blah, blah. Right. Send. Then I wrote, in order to properly punish Bobby Brown, I declare I have officially deleted my prerogative off my iPhone forever. <laughs> and that got 10,000 likes. Like, oh I never, <laughs> that one line got the most likes I've ever had in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so, so you're finding that Twitter still works for you? Because honestly speaking, you know, when you're talking about social media, there's always stuff that's like, well, such and such is dead. And as they say, well, Twitter's dead. You know, it's not doing what it, it's all about Instagram now, or it's all about, you know, Snapchat, or now Snapchat's dead and it's back to Instagram. And, you know, the, well, the one always... thing I would say about Twitter for me, from a journalism standpoint, I have seen editors tell reporters, tweet before you write. Interesting. So if I want baseball news, I know the six guys to follow in baseball that'll get me everything I need. I follow a lot of people. I've, I have a rule. I won't go over 4,000. Okay. So I follow 4,000 people. Now, most of those people are so I can direct message them. Yes. So I follow a lot of people, but if I follow 4,001, I unfollow somebody. Ooh, interesting. It's a lot of fun. I love doing that on an airplane. And you fly a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I, why am I following this joker? And I unfollow. And every <laughs> once in a while, I'll get to like 3995 because I know I'm going to follow five people really soon. It's like a little personal game. There's no penalty. <laughs> There's no rule. It's just my personal thing. 4,000 people. But one thing okay. I was proud of with my Twitter following mm -hmm. was, did you see last year when they killed all the bots? They, they deleted all the fake accounts. Yeah, I mean, they say that, but these things are always cropping up. So what Twitter did was they did a purge right. of their system. Sure. And there were people who lost 60,000 followers because oh, yeah. people would buy followers. And in it, I lost 220. And I love that that is so small because yeah. I have, I guess, 16,000 followers. But that means my followers are real. 
that means they're real people and they really engage with me. And yeah. that I'd rather have that than 60,000 followers that I don't know. I get you 100%. Because you obviously have a very engaged audience. So that's what so I hope. I hope, you know. I mean, I, I got into Twitter battles today. You did? I had a couple. Yeah, Ooh, well, let's talk about I was that. up super early. and I got Four o'clock, you said? Yeah, I was up at four in the morning. I was on the radio. Okay. Uh, doing stuff for iHeart. And, you know, if it's not, like, mentally engaging, mm -hmm. I, I'll go on Twitter. And, <laughs> you know, there's this new documentary coming out on HBO in, like, two weeks right. about Michael Jackson. Right. And there's a very compelling part of that story, and it's not the obvious. The compelling part is the two guys that are profiled in this film testified in defense of Michael Jackson in his trial. Mm -hmm. They helped get him acquitted. So what you see on social media is unabashed Michael Jackson supporters saying, don't watch this documentary. They're liars. Mm -hmm. He's a known liar. And my response is, well, did you see the documentary? And don't you think that's something worth addressing? Right. Meaning, did these guys say, I was coerced? Did these guys say, I was blind, I was in love with the guy? Like, I, who knows Denial, what hit their reason? Yeah, absolutely. I, but to me, as a journalist, I want to know the reason. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know about nights with little boys. That's like, you don't need to come to me to know that the Penn State scandal is bad. The stuff to talk about was what the coach knew. Yeah. Right? Like, not that the guy was what a pedophile. What did Paterno know? Right. When did he know Thank it? Thank you. Did he cover it up? Exactly. And so on and so forth. Yeah, so, absolutely. So the idea to me with this Michael Jackson story is, do they explain in the documentary why they lied? Mm -hmm. And until you hear that reason, I don't think you can reach a conclusion. So the Twitter battle with these people and the, like the handles are all free Michael Jackson or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not even coming down on Michael Jackson. All I'm saying is see the damn thing and then make up your own mind. And that was that, that was my Twitter battle this morning. I love it. The vitriol that people have because, you know, somebody takes their favorite artist. Like, Well, as a journalist, you have to dig deep. And that begs a bigger journalistic question, which is going to open up a huge chasm of stuff. But. Is there still journalism in America, or is it all kind of like this infotainment business? I mean, certainly well, on the political end, it's so bad, and I'm not no, saying no. we should jump into that arena per se, but but just as a larger question, is there a journalistic integrity? I think there the still part? is journalism. I think that what's happened is the journalism industry has been hit really hard, mm -hmm. and because they're the ones telling the story, it doesn't come off well when they're the ones telling how bad it's been. But self-serving that way. It, right. Yeah. There have been hundreds of layoffs, CBS, ESPN, CNN. Like, there have been so many layoffs and so many award-winning, respected journalists that have been let go. And the business is all freelance now. There's no steady work. It's a sad state of the broadcast industry and the print industry as well. And I think there's still a place for journalism. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is journalists aren't making money. Mm. because what's happened is newspapers are folding. Like, I can give you two newspapers that I grew up reading because I lived all over the country that don't exist anymore. And that if you went to a teenager right now and said, have you seen the latest edition of this, the Rocky Mountain News? Nobody knows what that is. Or the Seattle Post Intelligencer? No one's ever heard of that. That's a website now. And I'm hopeful for there's a, a subscription model, something called The Athletic, Mm -hmm. They hired three Hall of Fame columnists, Hall of Fame columnists, 
And I still don't know if people will subscribe. Like, would you pay your six ninety nine or whatever a month? I don't know. But I think that there is journalism being done. You know, the New York Times is still thriving, even if they're not thriving financially. Right. The Washington Post is in its in the best angle because well, they're that owned whole by ju- Juicy Smollett thing that just happened. Well, no, but they're owned of... by Amazon, oh, so well. <laughs> so they're not going broke. But you know, you saw 150 reporters were let go by the New York Daily News. I won't read that newspaper anymore. They the fired, Daily News. They fired yeah. friends of mine. Yeah, I'm done with that paper. Right. So I think journalism as an industry has taken a huge hit. The difference is, like, when the car industry takes a hit, it's the journalists who cover that. Mm-hmm. But who covers the journalists? That's, That's like uh, the old yeah. expression for the watchman who watches, watches the, the watchman. watchman. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. When 99-2000, because we're of a similar age, when 99-2000 happened, when everything started switching to online instead of paper, the Daily Sun came back out. They tried to make a go of it again. And some other papers that hadn't been around for a while or older names that people tried to read. I loved the International Herald Tribune, but I liked it when it was both the Post and the Times that ran it. Now that it's just one, it doesn't feel as good. Sure. And sometimes I like to read European coverage of American news. That story, like by it's... the way, that story that you referenced, that, that actor, oh my God. Well, that just is it, awful. It, but the larger question, without the salaciousness or the drama of the actual piece about him, we'll leave that part out, let's say. But the piece of like, okay, we're so hungry for news, we're not going to do our due diligence, we're just going to jump on this and make a meal out of it. And three and presidential that... candidates defended him. Correct. So everyone's trying to make a meal out of it because they all thought, you know, let's this make hay while the sun shines. An right. And then you find out that maybe the dude's got a mental illness. Who knows? Maybe he's got some other things. Maybe he's just an opportunist. We don't know. Like, that'll all come out, I'm sure, sure, as it goes on. But to not vet, to do the muckraking from back in the day without any of that journalistic integrity, that's kind of begs my question. Well, my bit. wife, I give credit to my wife because I didn't see this. I also, look, I'd never seen Empire. I don't know anything about Empire. I couldn't know this guy. If he fell on if me, he, I wouldn't right, know. Right. But when I heard the story, she pointed out to me that the police made a quick statement saying that they had yet to find his cell phone mm-hmm. because he wouldn't give them his cell phone. And if you're attacked like that, what do you care what porn they find on your cell phone? Right, right. Like, who cares? Well, yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those weird stories that she kind of called it right in the beginning. She goes, I think he made it up. And Wow. Yeah, she said it so right she, away. So she, she spoke from the gut Just on that to me. One. She goes, yeah. I'm not going to say this publicly. You know, I'm not telling any of our, our friends or anything. Don't put this on social media. Right, she goes, right. I think he made it up. So I always had that prism where I was looking at it like, what if this is not true? And everything fit. All the pieces fit, and it was wild. So before we wrap up, anything that you didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about? Anything you want to throw know, out man. there? I do, any, I any do projects two podcasts got, today. Any, any, any projects that you're working on right now that you'd like to chat about just real fast? Anything you want to throw out there? Anything you want to no, plug? I, I love the shows. You know, we didn't really talk about Sports with Friends, which is my other no, show. No, and we can always do more. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Sports with Friends, it's kind of a sad story. 
basically, this guy from ESPN was trying to get me to start a podcast, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to do a sports podcast, and I wanted to do the hall, what became the Hall of Justice. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people know I've covered baseball for this is my 25th year. Mm-hmm. And so I created a show called The Diamond. I did like five episodes of that. And then I had another show because I liked other sports. And so I call that From the Press Box. And I wasn't sure what to do with either one. He was like, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain three mm-hmm. and do them consistently. And I said, okay. And I had this, my best friend, who was my partner. He was the guy, when I talked about that radio show that we wound up making the MP3 of, that was our show. Our show was called Staying Hot with Seth and Bone. His name was Daryl Hamilton. He played baseball for 13 years. Sure. And we did this radio show together, and he was my best friend in the world. And in 2015, the year I created the podcast, he died. He was killed. And uh, at that point is when I fell in love with social media because because we did a radio show together. And while it wasn't the biggest show you ever had, it had a nice loyal following. Sure. The outpouring from strangers mm-hmm. was so heartwarming that I became addicted to all of it. That's when I fully embraced. Like, I joined Twitter in 09, but in 2015, like, it was so special to see, like, hey, you don't know me. I listen to your show. You know, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like, that kind of thing was, like, they were, like, 15 a day. And it was so therapeutic that I really just wanted it to be about friends. And my mother was always playing that game uh, Words with Friends. Yeah. And so that was popular. I came up with the idea. I said, well, why don't we call it sports with friends? And then what I did was I took the diamond episodes and I took the from the press box episodes and I combined them Mm -hmm. into one feed. That's why it's ahead of the game. Like Hall of Justice, I think we just did episode 120 Mm -hmm. and sports with friends were on like 180 because I combined the two shows. Well, I gave you that compendium to kind of work from. Yeah, that's nice. And um, and then something funny happened with the podcast because I can't make this all morbid. (laughs) (laughs) Let's end on a down note. Yeah, I mean, Daryl um, Hamilton was the best. I mean, he was the best. I'm sure he, he was, yeah. He passed away. But anyway, so sports with friends. So the rule was every guest is a friend. You know, I had this at the time. It was like a 22-year career, and I had met a lot of friends. So I would just put my friends on. And an example, two examples of just putting my friends on, there was a bombing at a soccer game in France. And I found out that one of my buddies, it writes for the New York Times, was at the stadium. Uh. I go, oh my God, we could talk about it. It's putting my friend Sam on. Done. Then Deflategate happens, you know, with Tom Brady. Yeah. And I knew a Patriots fan who happens to work for NBC. Mm-hmm. I said, he's qualified, put him on. Like, we were just putting friends on. And then what was happening was over the years, you must know this from your career, sure. you meet a lot of PR people. Yeah. Right? And they're your friends. Now, you're not going to put the PR people on, but boy, are they going to ask you to put their clients on. Sure. So I think it was like- friends of friends. Right. Well, that's where it came from. So the slogan now is, every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish geography. (laughs) (laughs) That's the idea of the show. And so everything's a hook. You know, so like two weeks ago, we had Ken Griffey Jr. on. The week after, I put on a CBS Sports Radio guy, and then just this weekend, I was in Mexico covering a race, and I met one of the drivers, this guy, Sam Bird, really nice guy, but he's a friend of a friend, so I, I met him, and he was he's on this week's episode. Like, It's literally just a friend of a friend, and you could tell right away, and the funniest thing on Twitter was <laughs> there was one episode where I had an author on, 
And I said, hey, uh, welcome to Sports with Friends. Nice to meet you. And somebody on Twitter was like, how the hell do you call this podcast Sports with Friends? You don't even effing know that guy. (laughs) Which is fair. He called you out on that. That's that's, that's a fair thing to be able to say. uh, Yeah, so that's how it it kind of evolved. And uh, yeah, so that show comes out on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. It's ranked on the sports and recreation chart. But again, it's competing with, you know, every radio show you've ever imagined in sports. But it's a labor of love. It's a really fun show. But folks, if you love baseball, that's the place. That's it's the baseball, thing to check. but it's. Uh, we've had some cool guests. We've had Allie Raceman on. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning's been on four times, right? Which was funny because he had a chance to be episode 100, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were recording. And I, I had done 98, and we do this charity event. So every year at the charity event, we would record a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said. If you want, I'll interview some joker, and he'll be 99. You could be episode 100. He goes, ah, I had a rough year. <laughs> let's mm. just do 99. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's not put me on blast right now. So, so 99, That's yeah. That's funny. So, yeah, we've had, uh, we had Sir Richard Branson on. Oh. Uh, that was really cool. Now, that's really awesome. Yeah, he was on the podcast. Uh, we had, I'm trying to think, Greg Norman, if you're a golf person. you got to tell me how to get all these people so I can put them on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it's always like, and it's so funny because it'll happen out of nowhere. Like, yeah. this one PR guy said to me, I might be able to get you 20 minutes with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I was like, yes. And what I try to do is make them timeless because you never know when people are going to consume them. Of course. So if I can talk to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar today, it might not come out for a month. Yeah. But something will come out every month. There's one episode we just did because now that we have sponsors, we have to do them every week. That's the rule. You can't not. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like it used to be like if I didn't have anybody, I'd skip it that week, you know, it didn't matter. And um, it was Christmas Day because Sports with Friends used to come out on Tuesdays. And Tuesday was Christmas, mm-hmm. and so I just thought we weren't doing it. And I get a call from the platform. They're like, uh, you know, their sponsors are expecting a show. Oh, wow. It's like, what do I do? It's Christmas Day. Who do I get on? So I called every Jewish friend I could find. <laughs> and there's literally an episode of Sports with Friends saying two Jews hanging out on Christmas Day. Eating Chinese food. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what the show is. That's pretty awesome, man. Well, I look forward to uh, coming on your podcast if yes, you'll have me. Yes, you got to Absolutely yep. cool. And we'll talk Can we some record it in this or... fancy little place? Why not? Okay. Absolutely. We're slumming it. My you can house. sit in my chair. I'll sit in your chair. And then oh, is that the way it works? That, that's how it works. Okay. This is the podcast host chair, and that's your chair. Okay. No, no, no one can see either of them, but that's okay. Uh, all right. So, listen, thanks so much for being on. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, this was so much fun, and we will continue this. Thanks for having me. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.